Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field. Going back, Hernandez at the track, right to the wall. Gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field. Aminio left the building. Guerrero lifts one to left field, and gone! Oh, Tani. That was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's time for a little A's Cast Live. Whether you're listening to us on the stream or you're watching us on YouTube or Twitter, good afternoon as we get you ready on a Friday for a little A's baseball as the A's are taking on the Halos for three. And then they're going to have the Seattle Mariners for the first time. Hard to believe we haven't seen the Mariners. And you'll hear from Mark Langston a little bit later. They haven't seen the Mariners yet. I mean, what are we, 40 games in? Haven't seen the Mariners yet? I mean, that's kind of crazy. But three against Anaheim, three against Seattle, and then back against the Texas Rangers. So playing in division once again. We got a great show for you coming up here today. Bip Roberts, that's right, from NBC NBC Sports California will be here at 415. Mark Langston, longtime broadcaster, longtime big league pitcher, San Jose State's part. Mark Langston will be here at 4.30. And then the Mark Kotze show for you at 5 o'clock as we talked to Kotz earlier today as uh, he was getting ready for, obviously, a little A's baseball and for the weekend, spending some time at home. Good for him on the day off. And let's face it, yesterday was good for everybody, right? I mean, 15 games in 13 days, that is an extreme amount of baseball. Two different days that we had double headers, that's brutal. Now, obviously, you're not going to love the record for the Oakland Athletics right now. I mean, that's obvious at 16 and 24. I mean, we got the numbers for you, which you're not going to love either, just a reality. Um, As the A's, well... They are lowest in average, lowest in on-base percentage, 
and lowest in slugging in Major League Baseball. That is not good. Can they turn it around? We'll see. We got a lot to get into into today. More talk about baseballs. More talk about pitch clock. A lot going on in the game. Commander, how are you? I'm good. And, you know, one thing that you mentioned about uh, the baseball, uh, the Diamondbacks and Cubs played earlier today, and uh, I believe the final ended up being 10-5. The Diamondbacks hit seven home runs in the game. There were, there were 11 overall hit in a 10-5 game by both teams. Josh Rojas of the Diamondbacks hit three home runs for the Diamondbacks. The Snakes, as they like to call them, our good friend Tori Lovello. You know what the weather was like in Chicago today? Windy. 85 degrees and sunny. Windy. Everyone talks about how well. No, no. How windy was it? Oh, I didn't look at the wind. It didn't, I don't think it, it didn't say it. It could, be, it could be freezing cold. Is it blowing out? If it blows out, it's just a wind tunnel. So, actually, the weather, yeah, helps. But at Wrigley Field, some of the historic big home run games, the wind's either blowing in or it's blowing out. And that's where... Anthony Rizzo, just recently playing against the White Sox with the Yankees, said when he was driving by Lake Michigan, he can tell when he's driving by Lake Michigan what the weather is going to be like at Wrigley Field. So don't give me 85. Tell me what the wind was. I don't think uh, MLB.com, the app, or the MLB app had the wind. But still, 11 home runs hitting that game. So uh, what are you saying? Uh, what has everyone been saying? Well, once the weather starts heating up, we're going to see more runs scored. Are you giving me an outlier game? Am uh, I going to see? Well, am I going to see home runs all over baseball tonight? Because you're going to hear from our skipper today, who's going to talk about reality. Is you want to score runs and you're not hitting home runs, you better do something differently. Because if you don't do something differently and you just keep doing what you're doing, good luck. I mean, how are you going to win games if you're still just going to rely on walks and home runs and you're lasting on base percentage so you're not walking a ton and you're one of, what were they, third to last in home runs? Uh, No, it's actually uh, second to last. Second to last. So you're second to last in home runs. You're lasting on base percentage. How is the walk-home run thing working for you? Not great because there you go. Because your record when you do hit a home run, when you don't, if you're still relying on the home run, the A's are 11 and six when they hit a home run, which is great. They're five and 18 when they don't hit a home run. Five and 18. So there's your 13 games under, right there. They're 16 and 24 heading into tonight's game against the Anaheim Angels and one of the fastest workers in baseball, Chase Silseth on the mound. What was the game last time? Like two hours and 30 minutes when he pitched in his debut. Uh, we'll see if that goes by the same time today. When's our major moment that we can break that down in the show? Uh, the pitch clock? Just when do we have time? Because Pip Roberts is coming up here. After, for, after Langston, if, to like 445-ish. Because I got to tell you, I'm going to bring you some numbers. Because the Minnesota Twins have a pitcher that nobody's heard of who all of a sudden said the pitch clock is ruining baseball. <laughs> like, what? Like, literally... I've never worked in PR. I've never I, – I know good PR. I've been around this game forever. But if there was ever a PR person need to walk in and tell some nobody, you, need to, you, you really need to think before you speak. Because there is literally no evidence that supports that a pitch clock is ruining the game of baseball. 
right? How much how, how much revenue is baseball bringing in a year? A lot. I don't know the exact number. Over ten billion. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Baseball is making over ten billion dollars a year, and some no-name Minnesota Twins pitcher is saying the pitch clock is ruining the game. If there was ever a time where someone needs to go in and tell somebody to shut up, this is it. Because the evidence, I'm going to bring you evidence of the average game in the other sports. It literally, when I heard it, it blew my mind. Do you know what an average NFL game is? Do you know what an average NBA game is? Do you know what an average NHL? Because those are the only we can compare. We can't compare golf, tennis. We can only compare the other team sports. And when they all play way, way faster games than you and they all play way less games than you, if you're going to be some nobody guy spouting off that it's ruining the game, man. Uh, I don't know if this is good news because I don't even know who the Green Belt Alliance is. But the Green, Bay, Green Belt Alliance has signed off on Howard Terminal. Now, they are a nonprofit whose mission is to educate, advocate, and collaborate. How about that? Educate, advocate, and collaborate to ensure the Bay Area's lands and communities are resilient to a changing climate. As climate change is a big deal, no question. Uh, it's a big deal for everybody on the planet. And a lot of countries and a lot of nations are putting a lot of money and hopefully a lot of effort into it. Every And I guess you got to do ballparks with it. So I don't know who Greenbelt Alliance is, but they've given the A's new ballpark a thumb up, which is great to see. I didn't know until I read it who they were. I mean, uh, I want to give him props. It sounds like a great eye. It sounds great. Is it big for us? Not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to find out when we talk to Dave Cavill next. I'll have to set something up with Dave. Yeah. It's been a while. Get Dave Cavill on the phone. But I want to talk to a guy that, you know, when I was growing up, he was one of my favorite players. And whenever you get into this business and you start doing shows with one of your favorite players, you kind of get worried, right? Because – what if he's not a good guy? What if that guy you grew up watching is a pain in the ass and you got to work with him you don't love him anymore? I never have to worry about that with my guy, Bip Roberts, as you see him on NBC Sports California doing A's pre and post-game live. The kid from Oakland, the all-star. Bipster, how are you? <laughs> Tony, you the man. I want you to do my eulogy, man, you know. You take care of me, man. You, I'm good, though. I'm good. You talk about the talent onto the field, and and as you know, you can't teach pretty. <laughs> I don't know if I have it, but I'll tell you, Tony, I'm having a good time doing this TV thing, man. It's been 21 years now. Wow. You know, and uh, we've worked together, and we've had some good times, and I just owe it to everyone that's in the industry to help kind of to mold me into being who I am because when I first got on here, I was a little shy when it comes to television, but they told me be yourself. It took a few years, but I'm comfortable doing it. And now, you know, you talk about 21 years later, we're still doing it. Well, you know, I think about 
you know, covering this team, obviously it hasn't been easy because when you have the lowest batting average, lowest on base, lowest slugging, you know, there's not a whole lot to talk about when you're losing games. But Mark Kotze, who's coming on a little bit later, but we taped it earlier today, talked about how small ball, it's got to be a must. The baseball that you grew up with, Bip, and the baseball that you played in the big leagues, I mean, if you're not hitting home runs, if you're not walking and hitting home runs, you better make some changes. And it sounds like the A's are going to start putting an emphasis more on the game that you grew up playing and loving. Yeah, and I, and I love that. Just like you said, I love when you start talking about baseball players being athletes and you have to create offense. It doesn't just happen with one swing at a bat where you hit a three-run home run or, you know, you got six guys in the lineup and their job is to hit home runs. The Cleveland Indians this year, they have an 85% contact rate and they have six guys that are in the top 50 when it comes to contact. And it just tells me that the game is coming back to that. You can see it now. And when you look at it and you see home runs are down and some guys who've had, you know, 40 home runs in the past at this particular point, don't have any home runs. You know, story got three home runs yesterday. It took him a while to get home runs and he's a home run hitter. So I just believe that, as you said, Kotze understands that he has to have guys in a lineup who can put the ball in play, use the entire field, go opposite field when they have to in situations like Minnesota did this last series. Every time there was a shift or a hole, Minnesota hit the hole. And you know, you talk about scoring 14 runs by doing the right thing when it comes to being at the plate and having an approach. So, yes, the A's, they have to get back to having the right approach when it comes to hitting the ball where it's pitched. When you're struggling, you know, it's a mental game. Obviously, you, you have the tools. You have the hand-eye coordination. You have the strength. You got everything. You got the vision. You got everything you need to get to this level. But once you get to this level and you're struggling, I get it. You can take extra BP. You can do a lot of different stuff, a lot of different stuff. But the reality is it's all between your ears, and it's about confidence. It's the mental side of the game. What did you used to do if you were in a funk to help you get out of that funk and get you back to being Bip Roberts? Well, the one thing I did was I always went back to square one, regardless if I got hits that day or no hits. First thing I'm going to do when I get to the park is I'm getting on the batting tee. I learned that from Tony Gwynn. Yeah. You go back to square one every day and you work from square one and you move forward. If you get four hits today, it doesn't mean you don't go back to the tee tomorrow because then you've lost your preparation. So you always have to have that preparation. The preparation is what gives you the confidence. If you don't have the preparation, you go into a game with the unknown. Well, I didn't work on the pitch away today or I didn't work on the pitch inside. And when I got a pitch inside, I didn't have the right swing. Well, when you're working on in, in batting practice or pregame batting practice or on your drills, you're going to get the right swing. That's going to register your muscle memory, and you try to carry that into the game. Now, the biggest factor of confidence is to get four good swings in a game, hit the ball hard, and if you get one hit, you build on that. And that's how you get your confidence back. How many slumps did Tony Gwynn go into? i never seen one. <laughs> <laughs> like he struck out three times in a game one time Bob Welch with the Dodgers one time he struck like you got guys how many times they striking out in a week I mean it's like I can't and you know what I kind of like about what we're kind of see with this little bit of shift and we had Stephen Kwan on the show from the Cleveland Indians a kid from uh, Fremont who is doing so well out of Oregon State and and making a ton of contact and it's like 
if we could bring back guys like Wade Boggs, Tony Gwynn, a player like yourself, Paul Mahler, George Brett, boy, what they would be worth in today's game. We've got so many guys hitting 220, if not 180 in the lineup. Can you imagine if you had guys in the lineup hitting 360, how much they would stand out? Yeah, yeah, you know, Tony, and, and I and I agree with that. But but I also know that these guys are facing some guys that bring cheddar, man. These guys are throwing ninety-five to one hundred and five, and and things are just a little different. So I, I give them that. I understand that now they have to make different adjustments. But hitting to me is hitting strikes. Hitting to me is making sure that you're prepared to go out there with an approach according to who you're facing. I mean, these guys throw the ball right down the middle. There, there should be no reason why you can't hit the ball hard two out of three times in a game. So, yeah, when it comes to guys like Boggs and Gwynn and Molitor and Mattingly and Barry Bonds and Larkin and all these guys who could really swing the bat, I think they would take advantage of guys who put shifts on them because they could use the entire field. So I think the skills that we had – it's a little more in depth than the skills that guys have right now because we really could not hit 220 and be in the big leagues. We would be definitely in the minor leagues or our bags would be packed and we'd be flying home somewhere. You'd be getting a TV job. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. You're hitting 220. It's, uh, yeah, you're playing a vacation. Um, when you think of Christian Pache, I'm tired of talking about the numbers because none of them are good. And we know that athletically he's a beast uh center fielder i mean bip when you're up next to him he looks like a free safety in the nfl 6-2 about 215 run like the wind i mean i guarantee if he grew up in this country he would have played some football you know but right now he's struggling and i don't want to hear barrel rate i've seen so many balls hit into the ground ground ball after ground ball after ground ball i mean like his last two hits have been ground balls what advice would you give him because you understand what it's like to be up at a really early age. And there's a lot that you got to learn. There's not only how to play the game, it's in between the lines, but it's how to, it's how to be a pro off the field, how to deal with your life. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's, you know, speaking a, you know, doesn't speak the language fluently. I mean, there's a lot of obstacles at a young age. What advice would you give him? The first thing I would say to him is listen to the veteran guys. Don't act as if you already know, because you don't know right now. You have to find that veteran guy who can mentor you while he's on the field playing. I was blessed. I had Gary Templeton. I had Tony Gwynn. I had Joe Carter. I've even had a chance to watch Roberto Alomar grow as a player. And the one thing that I was told by Gary Templeton that I did well was I listened to what he said, and I tried to implement what he said. I, I was able to hit with Tony Gwynn. And continue to learn exactly the skills of hitting. Now, you know, with Christian Pache, I just I love his athleticism. I see what's happening to him where teams are exploiting him away with the fastball and uh, and exploiting him away with the slider. I saw him working extra the other day, doing some soft toss, some front soft toss, trying to make sure that he got his bat hit straight to the ball inside. He's had a kind of a loop to get to that baseball. So there's a lot of things as a young hitter he's got to iron out. Because the big leagues will exploit your weaknesses. The T is the best thing for this young man to work on. Because it will not lie. When you hit the ball well, you will get a line drive. When you don't, the T will tell you that that wasn't the right swing. I just think the muscle memory now that he receives in his brain 
has to be correct information. He can't continue to have really bad at bats, chasing bad pitches, swinging at strikes out the out the strike zone, and expect to get better. He's got to discipline himself, learn his strike zone, stay within it, and then try to make good swings when he's in the batter's box during the game. You know, Bip, they always say there's no I in team, and then people like me will go, yeah, but there's an M and an E. So watch out for that no I in team because I'll find some me all day of the week, and that's what scares me about bad teams because, as you know, having played on bad teams, people start thinking, hey, this is my career. Everything's about my own stats. Everything's about getting paid, playing maybe to go somewhere else. You stop that team concept in the clubhouse on the field where it's about the team and about winning. What is the big key for Mark Kotze? I know it's early. It's early for him. A lot of his coaches have been around. But what is the key to keeping the continuity inside the clubhouse and keep everything on team and still trying to win games and not everybody being all about themselves? Well, yeah, the, the message has to be that, you know, I'm the manager. I'm going to do everything I can to put you in a situation to succeed. Now I need you to do the work so that when I put you in, you will succeed because if you're not doing the work and I put you in and you fail, then your mentality continues to falter. And then you start seeing the slump shoulders, the head down and things like that. You know, I, I'm just one who always believes that the more games you win, the less changes that will be made when you lose, then guys come and guys go. That's very tough for players to not know if they're going to be here today and gone tomorrow. But when you win, there are no changes. So if you can get everyone to believe that it's easier for families if we come out here, play our best and win games, because then we don't make changes. And you don't have to worry about it being a me, me, I, I type team. It's a we because together we get the positive results of winning. And together we get to stay here in the big leagues and not have to worry about what happens to us off the field. Well, that's why you got to control Brody Brazil because, you know, Brody will go on his own and Brody wants to start. <laughs> and you're like, hey, we still got to do this together. <laughs> oh, oh, Brody Brazil. <laughs> you know, that's my guy, man. You know, you guys are my guys. Man. <laughs> sometimes Brody, Brody loves the A's so much that sometimes he gets blinded because he loves the A's more than what he actually sees. And I always have to pop him on the back of the head and let him, hey, Brody, Brody, wake up, wake up. You know, and then he'll start to come back to reality sometimes. Well, that is the thing that, I, you know, it, it's one thing to be an ex-player. And obviously, we want to hear from ex-players. But I think what you and Shooty bring is that whole different, yeah, you guys played, but you, you've coached. And you've coached for a long, long time. Shooty has coached and been a scout for a long, long time. So, there is that, oh, yeah, you played the game aspect, but you guys have watched the game just not as as players, but as guys who are coaches and evaluators, and I really see that's always been your guys' strength. So you can look at a guy like me or a guy like Brody and be like, whoa, 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 you're not seeing it the same. I mean, you can view it from the lenses of that coach, which I don't think a lot of people understand that. Yeah, yeah, you know, when you play and you play with some great players, and been taught some things, you can see things while they're happening. Whereas the naked eye, guys who haven't been taught that, they can't see it. So I'm watching games and I see things and I tell Brody, did you see that? And he goes, no. 
that's how I had, I had like a little segment called, did you see that? Yes. You know, because <laughs> I could see that and, and he couldn't see that. So I'd have to explain it to him. And you're definitely right. When you coach and you're working to develop young kids to be the best that they can be, you take them to the lab and you start to work individually with them and you break their swings down and then you build them back up. And now when you watch them hit, you go, hey, you're still not doing what we asked you to do because you still have that little flaw in your swing. We have to continue to take that thing out. There's a little loop there. You know, you're not, you're not getting ready upon release of the baseball. You're waiting until the ball's behind you or past you before you, you even take your step to get loaded. So there's a lot of little things that we see, whether it's hitting, whether it's fielding, whether it's base running, or whatever it may be. Because, you know, when you get to the big leagues, you're taught by some of the greatest coaches in the world. I was taught by Davey Lopes a lot of things when it comes to base running that I see guys are doing incorrectly right now. And if I was to speak on it, I probably would mess up every little league coach in America. Isn't it amazing how – can we get the running game back? I mean, the fact that – I mean, when, when you were coming up and you think – I mean, obviously we can always reference Ricky Henderson, but that's not fair. But you could think about Tim Raines, Vince Coleman. There were so many guys. You're talking about Davey Lopes, the great Dodger. I mean – there, there was some Maury Wills. You just think of all these guys that stole bases and, and what the – they wreaked havoc, and it caused defenses to make mistakes, and you got into scoring position. And the game had – even though we have so many great athletes in the game right now, we don't always get to see their athleticism. And 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 seriously, Bip, just going first to third, running the bases, there, if we could just get some of that back in the game, it would help score – more runs, which in the end is the most important thing in our game. It is to score runs. That's the goal when you get on first base. Right? To score runs, or else it's not a successful time on base, in my opinion. One of the greatest base runners that is just overlooked of all times is Willie McGee. Willie McGee was outstanding. When it comes to professional base running, running the first base, Willie always hit first base with his left foot. He hit it for with first base with the left foot for a reason. One is he's always going to hit the inside part of the base with his left foot as he's rounding the bases. But at first base, you hit your, the base with the left foot. You have a collision with the first baseman. Now you go to your right foot and you're able to get away. If you hit it with your right foot and you have a collision with the first baseman, your left foot has nowhere to go and you're probably going to get hurt. But Willie McGee, from standstill to full speed was one of the fastest six foot two guys I've ever seen. <laughs> and he always went from first to third on a base hit anywhere. I don't care. And he played on turf, which made it tougher. But Willie McGee understood how to cut the bases, shorten his length from base to base and get there safely majority of the time. Those Whitey Herzog in the old Bush Stadium on that horrible turf, they all could fly. In the 80s. <laughs> oh, my. Tommy Herr had over yeah. 100 RBIs with, like, six home runs. Seven. Right? I, think, I think it was seven was, home runs. Was it and, seven and like, home runs? I think it was right. seven home runs and 114 RBIs. 114 RBI. He just let the Cardinals, the, the birds, just fly around the bases, and he did what was capable or what was needed at the time to get those guys in. Those guys had a, a brand of baseball that, I think it transitions to the day. When you look at the St. Louis Cardinals, they have a St. Louis Cardinal way of playing baseball. They always are right there in the thick of things. They're, they're an organization that's overlooked, but
but they've won so many championships that you cannot say that they're not a dynasty. And the thing about it is from rookie ball all the way to the big leagues, these guys get ready for the big leagues. And when they show up to the big leagues, like Albert Pujols did, he came ready and he did his thing. He got there and he showed off. That's the Cardinal way. Are you still doing real estate? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm still doing that. Give out doing the number, re- baby. Re- Give out the number. Let's go. Let's move some holes. Hey, let's move. Let's buy and sell. I'm at <laughs> 925-548-3918. And uh, that is my number. And uh, I'm at Intero Realty. So I'm still doing it. I'm having fun doing it. I got a couple houses up right now for sale. And if you guys are interested, give me a call. And do, do, uh, do the net, too, because it's a great teaching aid. Oh, you're talking about the cutoff, man. Yeah, we're still doing a cutoff, man. That's a, a net where you can get so many reps within like 15 minutes. You throw it to a target. It goes into a net. It goes into a bucket. You don't have to pick up balls. So it saves you time, but it makes you better in a short period of time. All righty, Bipster. We'll be watching today. Uh, I did my hit for NBC. It's on Paul Blackburn. So when it's done, just just talk about, hey, Townie, A's cast live. You got to love it. I sure will, man. I love when you do that, man. I enjoy it. You are the best, my friend. I'll be in touch. All right. All right. You guys have a good day. The great Bip Roberts. I got to tell you, I've been lucky. Whether it's Bip, uh, you know, because I love me some Eckersley growing up. I love me some Mac. Also, also a Bay Area kid. But growing up, I loved Dennis Eckersley, right? How could you not? Well, I mean, for you, you you're too young, yeah. right? But I mean, for me, I loved Dennis Eckersley when I was growing up. Uh, Tony Gwynn, the one guy I haven't met, my favorite, George Brett. But like, I tried, but you'd always say no. Bip is one of because I've been lucky. Bip was one of my favorites growing up as a kid. I love Bip Roberts and Tony Gwynn, and I got to do quite a few. I got to do quite a few interviews with Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn is like the nicest guy. Bip's great. I'm telling you, the worst thing in the world, like if you were a Bonds fan, if you grew up a Bonds fan, good luck. Yeah, you're going to be disappointed. Uh, but on, uh, but I do want to bring up Bonzo as much as everybody thinks about the home run. He stole over 500 bases. He was a good, he was a good base stealer. No, it was more when he was at the Pirates, but he, no, sold, no, no, he no. sold some bases with the Giants. I mean, wow, you're, you, early, early Giants, Barry, yes. Super Barry, no. Not well, so much. Super Barry was old. He was on roids, and he was <laughs> – it was so big he could Okay, let's go over Bonds' stolen bases here. I think you're selling selling Barry out. So even at like thirty one years old, he had forty bags with the Giants. That's, then he had thirty seven at thirty two. He had twenty eight at thirty three. I mean, come on. He was he was getting older and he was still he had five hundred and fourteen stolen did, bases. Didn't Ricky have like how many what did, how many Ricky have in his late thirties? There was one year he had a I think it was like one of his last years with the A's. He stole. But think about it. Everybody thinks of Bonds at 762 home runs. Yeah, they don't think about the 500 stolen bases. He had 500 stolen. He's the only. Okay, the 300-300 club. So it's 300 home runs, 300 stolen bases. The 300-300 club is what? Bonds, Dawson. Uh, who's in that? Bonds, Dawson, Mays, and Bobby Bonds. Right? Bobby Bonds is in there. Bonds, Mays, Dawson, uh, Reggie Sanders. Oh, he was a new addition. Steve Finley. Another. He had 300 stolen bases? Yeah, 320. Another new addition. A-Rod, future oh, Timberwolves, or Timberwolves owner, A-Rod, and uh, Carlos Baltron. 
And the only reason I had those, my old boss had a picture. They all had a, he had a picture in his office of Dawson. Dawson was in a Marlins uniform. He didn't play for them. He was a, like, like a. Well, he's one of the guys J- Jeter got rid of, right? When Jeter, remember when Jeter came yeah, in? Yeah, he was some kind of good consultant. Let's see. Let's see who he, uh, he did play for Florida. He did? Yeah, and then it was career, looks like. Wow. All right, so it was so the picture was Bond, both Bonds, Bobby and Barry, Mays and Dawson. They were the only four guys. But then obviously these guys all did it later. Yeah. Was it Sanders, Finley, A Rod, and Beltron? Beltron. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if, It's I don't, a pretty exclusive group. How many guys are in the four hundred, four hundred club? One. Five hundred, five hundred. One. One. Yeah. Both of them are bonds. <laughs> yeah. So people forget, like, it's like it's like once again, if your favorite player is Barry, sorry, not my fault. You, he's your favorite player. Uh, he's not Prince Charming by any stretch of the imagination. Ricky? Ricky was close, by the way, joining that club. He finished with 297 home runs. I, You know, it might be the one thing where you go, hey, Ricky, you played forever. You didn't get 300 home runs. <laughs> I mean, you played for 46 years. He, oh, by the way, he's so uh, at the age of um, the age of 40, you're talking about how many bases the Bonds steal when he got older? At 40? No, no. What, what was the You said 32. How many still at age 32? At age 32, he, sh- he stole 37. Uh, Ricky, at the age of uh, 32, stole um, only 58. At the age of 39, he led okay, the league. Okay, okay. 39, at the age of 39, he led the league with 66. How many homers did uh, did Ricky have at the age of 32? In that season, he had he had 18. Yeah, Bonds had 40. How many doubles did Ricky have? Uh, it was age 32. Ricky would have had. That's it. He only had, he only had 17 doubles. Bonds had 26. What was Ricky's OPS? No, 823. 1,031 for Bonds. <laughs> That's uh, pretty how many runs did Ricky score? Uh, Ricky scored 832, 105. Bonds scored 123. I know we uh, we talk about Ricky is amazing. Ricky play at some uh, – Ricky for a time had these number, but uh, – The 839 year is the crazy one for me. You want to go age twenty nine. You want to no, go age thirty nine. You want to go age thirty nine. Big difference. Big difference. You want to go age thirty nine. Bonds. Is that the year he hit seventy three? He had forty five oh. bombs at age thirty nine. Oh. Had an OPS of one thousand four hundred twenty two. By the way, how many runs scored did Ricky have at thirty nine? Uh, the age of thirty nine, one hundred one. Bonds at one hundred and twenty nine. Ricky stole sixty six bases, and led the league in walks with one hundred eighteen. What? This was in this was 1999. Ricky was 39 years old. Sorry, 1998. Yeah, Bonds only played 102. Yeah, 1998. What was 19? It was 1998. No, 1998. Bonds had 37 bombs, 122 RBIs. Walked 130 times, but Ricky 44 doubles. It's pretty good. Ricky had a. I'm telling you, Super Barry, you can't – it's only him and Babe Ruth. As much as you love Ricky, we all love Ricky, Ricky, you can't compare – I mean, you look at these numbers, it's – you'll be like, well, Ricky scored – how many runs did Ricky score? In his career? Yeah. Uh, 2,295. Bonds had 2,227. Ricky. Ricky also played longer. <laughs> Ricky barely beats him. Barely beats him. By the way, how many walks did Ricky have? 
Um, Ricky in his career, 2,190. Doesn't, Bonds. Doesn't Ricky have the record? Bonds. Well, he did. 2,558. Ricky had the record for a little bit. <laughs> then Bonds, Bonds blew by it. Bonds has way more walks than Ricky. Bonds has way more home runs, more RBIs, more double. He's got, I mean, it's not even. You can't compare anybody to Bonds except Babe Ruth. No, it's true. What about Shohei Otani? I'm just kidding. People will probably get down that track eventually. Shohei Otani? I'm he, just saying. He'll never play enough. Yeah. Uh, Juan Soto, the next Ted Williams. You think Juan Soto's going to hit 762 home runs? No, not even close. You think Juan Soto's going to? Right. He might walk. He might. He might. Get and by a, the way, a lot of walks. Barry Bonds is like Barry should have played. Barry wanted to keep playing. He got blackballed. There's no question. Barry yeah, was. He never officially retired. Don't forget that. Never officially retired. Barry Bonds in his last year hit 28 home runs and had a 1,045 OPS, and no one would sign him. Trying to tell me no one could use him as a DH? It's it's it's. Remember, I can't stand the guy. I I've had my issues with him, uh, but the numbers are the numbers. You ready for this? He had two thousand nine hundred thirty-five hits. He would have got three thousand hits if they would have not blackballed him. It's the only thing that's not he doesn't have on his resume. Two thousand how many? 935. Oh, okay. At least at 2,300. Like, oh, that's all he had? No, I had it backwards. Yeah. Okay. The RBIs, 1,996. That's it? Seven. Count them. Seven MVP awards. How many? Wasn't it four in a row? Is that right? Four in a row? Yeah. But Seven. He, he won two in a row with the Pirates. He should have won three in a row with the Pirates. He finished second. One. No, sorry. He should have won four in a row with the Pirates. The Pirates and Giants. One. To, he finished. He won seven and finished second twice. Yeah, he would have had four in a row with Pittsburgh and San Francisco in his early his twilight. Like I said, he's not or, Prince Charming, but you can't compare anybody. Oh, we're am I now off the clock? Yeah. See, you let me just you just let me go. See, it's not my fault. Yeah. Now you guys all understand this. He doesn't keep me. I mean, I just keep. To, I, I'll just keep talking. Yeah. Well, it's okay. People want to hear Ricky. You're just Barry. talking. Don't do that. You're just talking. Same old nonsense like if we're selling jeans. Thank you, Brad Pitt, a.k.a. Billy Bean. Coming up next, we will play Mark Langston for you. One of my favorites, obviously, he was a terrific pitcher back in the day. And as a Bay Area athlete, he was a dominant soccer player in Santa Clara and then was a dominant baseball player at San Jose State, the greatest San Jose State Spartan baseball player. Coming up next, the great Mark Langston. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. 
Here's Chris Townsend. All right, I got I I have to have some time today. Maybe we'll delay the start of the game. Okay, I don't know how that's going to go over, but I'm sure we could do it. Call the Angels and tell them we may start late. Because i got to get into the start uh, of the length of games in all of sports. We'll have time after Kotze because I think our, our, our conversation with Kotze is like 13 minutes. So well, I, I can't keep the skipper all day long. He's got a game to manage. Yeah, so we should be able to do it right after that until about close to 530 because pregame's at, I think, 538 today. By the way, if you were if you were a kid who grew up loving Mark Kotze, like how old would you be? Well, he's 46 or 47. Yeah, he's a little bit younger than I am. So you would have been, uh, boy, you would have. You're probably in your 20s. If you grew up a huge Mark Kotze fan. 20 or my age, I would say. Yeah? Because he he what, he came in the league in the, like the mid to late 90s, somewhere in there with the Marlins. It was yeah, because right he, he was college player of the year when I played against him in 95. Okay, so right, yeah, so right around there, like after the World Series run. So probably around my age. And then he was on that Olympic team or what, what Team USA he was on. It was probably like 96 or something like that. Yeah, I'll tell you real quick before we get the lengths in. Because he was with the Olympic team when he got drafted. Yeah, his uh, MLB debut. Oh, I think he was a sophomore his MLB, when he was player of the year. His debut was in July 11th, 1997. So I would have yeah, been, okay. been nine. You're lucky because he's a great guy. He is. That's the thing that's scary is you just never know. Like, your favorite player, I love this guy. And then you find out about him. Like, Oof. You don't have to worry about that with Mark Kotze. Or with Mark Langston. Here's my conversation with the Bay Area kid, now all grown up. Mark Langston now doing television for, or excuse me, doing radio for the Los Angeles Angels. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, you know he's one of our favorites. He's a four-time All-Star, a seven-time Gold Glove Award winner, a three-time American League strikeout leader, but most importantly... He is the greatest San Jose State Spartan baseball player of all time. He's the pride of Santa Clara. We always love to bring him back home. The great Mark Langston's with us. Mark, how are you? Chris, I'm fantastic, man. Thanks for having me. Well, it is always good to have you. You know, we miss you traveling, but uh, it's good to hear your voice. And uh, I hope everything's going well for you down in Southern California. Yeah, everything is good down here. Uh, We've had a... A nice scenario where the Angels have gotten off to a good start where job-related, that helps. <laughs> yeah, it makes it a little bit easy, huh? <laughs> it does. It definitely helps. Well, the one thing I want to get in is pitching, obviously, your forte, and I find it, you know, here we have the Angels. For the most part, they're healthy. The lineup is absolutely dangerous. You're go- but you're going with the six-man rotation, and I just wonder how this is going to work. Are they going to have enough arms for enough outs in the long term of a 162-game season? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, obviously the six-man rotation plays out really well for this club just from the standpoint of Shohei's schedule that he's on. It really works well for him, you know, with the workload that he has. You've got Noah Syndergaard coming off Tommy John surgery, so that plays well for him. Michael Lorenzen, this is the first time he's back into a rotation since his rookie year in 2015. That helps. And then the rest of it, Patrick Sandoval, Reed Detmers, uh, these guys have never had a full season under their belt. So it plays well with the guys they have in this rotation. 
And we've seen it already. They've been able to log some innings. And Joe's man has been able to go with these guys a little deeper because they do have that extra rest. And these guys have responded really well so far. Well, I know we've talked about it up here, and I wonder if you're seeing it down there because with uh, Sil Seth going tonight, we got to see his first outing. And these guys coming up from the minor leagues are used to the pitch clock, and it's amazing how fast they work compared to watching, you know, the past few years, so many of the guys that we've had in the, in the big leagues just work like sloths. I mean, these kids are getting the ball. They're going. It's fast because that's what they're used to. Have you been noticing that? Yes. You just mentioned Chase Silseth, who's starting tonight. Uh, no doubt about it. He came up and just he couldn't get rid of it quick enough. And that always plays for any defense. They love it. The faster you can work, the better your defense is going to be. We had Jose Suarez in our rotation earlier this year, who is one of the slowest workers in baseball. And it's painstakingly, and, it, and I think it cost him from the standpoint, sometimes those defensive plays aren't made behind you because of how slow he works. Infielders, outfielders, everybody gets fidgety in between pitches. They don't know what to do. They want to be involved, and they want it quickly. He went down to the minor leagues, and he just returned, and all of a sudden we've seen an increase in his uh, getting the ball to home plate. So I definitely have noticed that. Certainly the guys that have come up in the minor leagues, you see it, and, and I'm okay with it because I think that helps everything. It certainly helps the defense, but I think it just helps the game of baseball kind of move around. Like when you remember back to your days, how fast were you, and did you think about pitching faster because it helps your defense behind you, it keeps those guys on their toes and engaged throughout the game? No, I was a guy that I worked so quick that I had to scream myself to slow down a little bit because there's always that fine line of working too fast and then your, your mechanics get out of whack. So you got to stay within yourself. But my big deal is I went to my mouth after every pitch and I had back in when I played, I had to walk all the way to the grass, lick my fingers, wipe them off, get back to the mound. In today's game, you just stand off the side of the rubber, lick your fingers and off you go. So I could have worked twice as fast. Uh, but I had to go all the way down, lick my fingers, get back up on top. Um, you know, I, I like it. I like the, the pace of the game. It's good for the game, and uh, hopefully that will continue. You know, the bullpen was definitely really good for the Angels. Lately, it looks like a, with Iglesias, a couple hiccups, especially one against us. Yeah, he had a couple hiccups on that road trip, one against you guys. Obviously, that was a big one. We had one the other day in the 10th inning. We had the lead in the 10th inning with Iglesias out there. Uh, and he gave up another home run. So he's, he has a home run in his game. That's always been part of that. Uh, he's always a guy you trust, though. He's been so good for the Angels. He was their first priority this offseason is to get him back in the fold. They took care of that. They haven't had a guy like him that you felt really comfortable. Certainly the last two appearances, uh, you, you know, that it's going to happen to anybody. Uh, I look for him to clean that up. Ryan Tapera had a hiccup the other day in Texas. So I, I like our back end of our bullpen. It's solid, but, you know, bullpens are going to, you know, they're going to have off days, you know, the more guys you use. But the guys that they've got, they've got a veteran group now in that back end of the bullpen, and I like what I've seen so far. You know, there's been a lot of discussion about the baseball again. Here we go again. But it's funny, 
we've been playing these old Ray Fossey interviews to honor our man Ray Fossey, and he was doing an interview with Spar Sparky Anderson. I want to say it was like 1995, and even in 95, Sparky Anderson, the, the Hall of Famer, was complaining about the baseball. Uh, back in your day, did you ever notice different anything different about the baseball? Was there ever an issue? I mean, you always – you know, would always feel the baseball how it felt some day, some years or sometimes it would feel a lot firmer than it used to feel maybe the year before. Uh, and, you know, you look at some of the numbers. I, you go back to 1987 was kind of a year where the offense really exploded for a lot of teams. Now, was that baseball related? You know, obviously steroids was a big factor back in those days. You know, don't know where that was uh, as far as playing. In today's game, there's no question, man. You, we've seen it over the last few years, offensive, and it's, again, when you've got the your second baseman who doesn't hit home runs, and not only is he hitting home runs, he's going opposite field with power, that you just don't see that. The only time I saw it was obviously in the steroid era. These guys, i got to believe, are clean, and it was just ball-related. Now we've seen them. They took a little air out of the ball, and the offense is uh, it's just not the same so far. And it's always the beginning of the season. You know, offenses aren't up and clicking. Once the weather starts to warm up, I think you're going to see offenses. Uh, you're going to see a lot more offense than you're seeing right now. Well, I got to tell you, we, you know, we do the Mark Kotze show here on A's Cast, and uh, we had him earlier today, and he was talking about, listen, ball's not going out of the yard. We're not scoring runs. We got to start playing small ball. And, you know, small ball was like a dirty word around here. If we go back and if it wasn't <laughs> about home runs and walks, Billy Bean wanted no part about that. But we're talking about bunting and hitting and running. And so maybe what we, I don't know, balls in the humidors, I don't know. But if this kind of leads us back to a normal game, I, I think I'd embrace it. How about you? I'm with you 100%, and that's one of the reasons the Angels this year, is it's been an exciting team. You look at their offense, they certainly could do it with so many different ways, and that's what they've done this year. Obviously, they're right at the top as far as average. They are second in the majors in home runs, and they've also, they get it done with walks. They're fourth in walks, and then you look at stolen bases, they're fifth in stolen bases, and they are the number one team in sacrifices so far this season. They've sacrificed nine times. So they do all aspects. I think they get it also. They have good team speed. These guys run the base as well. But they can play small ball. And I think that's I think it's good for the game of baseball. I'm with you hundred percent on that. It's fun to see action. See guys in motion, some hit and run action, keep the ball on the ground. Uh and then you get to see the stellar defensive plays behind it. So uh, I'm all for it, man. If it uh, keeps the ball in the ballpark just a little bit. And, again, I think that will change as the summer and it starts to heat up in a lot more places. Those numbers are going to change. But it is fun to watch teams trying to manufacture runs. Yeah, whenever I see someone lay down a bunt, it, like, shocks me. It's like I, 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 I'm just not used to it anymore. <laughs> I'm like, can you still do that? Um, now that you've had the tour around the American League West, how do you view the division? Yeah, we have not played Seattle yet. That is our last team, and we don't play them until almost the end of June. We haven't uh, played. So uh, that is the one team. We play Seattle but after you, you at, guys, and we we play Seattle after you guys. We haven't seen them either. How weird is that? Yeah, that's bizarre, you know. So we've uh, 
you know, I see it. Houston's always going to be the team that they're going to be the favorite, no question about it. And if you think you're going to win the division, you're going to have to go through them. They're not going to roll over. Now, with all the steps backwards they've taken, losing all their key guys, they're losing key guys year after year after year. Uh, obviously, with Carlos Correa not with them, you feel like at some point they got to step a little bit back towards the pack, but they're still a talented team. Justin Verlander looks like he's the old Justin Verlander now. He hasn't missed a beat coming back from Tommy John. Uh, so they're the team to beat in this division, no doubt about it. The Angels are much improved team. Obviously, when you have the health of Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon uh, to get back in your lineup on a daily basis, you're going to be a better team immediately. Shohei Otani, he didn't have any protection. Now he's got some protection around him. And Taylor Ward, for us, has been the storyline all, all season long. I mean, when you again, when you have names like Otani, Trout, and Rendon, and you're the storyline offensively, that shows you what kind of offensive year Taylor Ward has gotten off to. Yeah, every single time I look up and I see that he has a better OPS than Mike Trout, I just shake my head. You're like, wow. Uh, let's end on this. Shohei Otani. I mean, every single time he comes to Oakland, whether you're watching him take BP, you watch him pitch, you just sit there in amazement going, my God, the guy's got this extreme – he hit that one home run last series against the A's that I don't know how many guys – because you have to be that tall and you got to be able to get that lift on a high fastball. But he's just always doing stuff that you go – Man, I don't know if I've ever seen this or will ever see this again. It's just amazing. He's he, he literally is a freak, and you forget about how fast he is and how tall he is until you see him in person. Now that you've seen him for years, are, are you still, is it still just a wonder to you when you watch him? Just what His talent is just off the charts. Yeah, I'm still just absolutely blown away by what we see out of Shohei from the standpoint of, you know, I know how hard it is to prep and get ready for one element of it and the pitching side of it and the work that you have to do from a preparation standpoint. It takes five days to get yourself ready to roll for that start. Shohei can take, change hats and do that as good as anybody. We, Mike Trout was talking about that the other day, and he said the exact same thing. The preparation it takes to get ready for a game offensively to get study the pitchers, to get in there and know what you're going to face and mentally get yourself ready to go. He said it's difficult. And he goes, then you look at Shohei, he's on the mound throwing 100 miles an hour. Uh, it, it is. It is my bother. I don't know if you'll ever see another baseball player with this kind of skill set that he has. Uh, it, it's absolutely uh, odd-dropping every time that this guy gets on the field. He doesn't take any days off. He's out there every day. I think he leads the majors. He certainly leads the American League in games played. Uh, so the guy doesn't take a second off. You would think, okay, maybe after a tough start, he would have the next day off. We always say that in the booth. Then sure enough, he's penciled in. He's ready to roll the next day. So uh, it is, it is a, it's a wonder. And I don't know if he gets enough credit for what he's doing. Obviously, he was the MVP last year, and rightly so. But I don't know if this guy gets enough pub and credit, even though he's, he's, everybody's focused on him. But what he's doing, I don't know if you'll ever see it again. Well, speaking of the booth, you and Kevin Franzen together in the same in booths next to each other. You talk about two of the greatest San Jose Spartans of all time. That's some Spartan love right there on the air. That was fantastic. Uh, I did a couple of TV games, and Kevin Franzen, when we were playing the Washington Nationals, 
was in town. So he was, his booth was right next to us when I did some TV games. And I go, it's got to be a first. We got a couple of Spartans doing the TV broadcast. Uh, it was fantastic. It was fun. He's a great guy. It's always great to catch up with the, ex, the alumni guys as it is talking with you, man. It's always a blast to catch up with you. So uh, it, it was fun to see a little Spartan power in the broadcast booth the other day. Have a great call. We'll call you soon. You got it, Chris. Anytime, man. Mark Langston. Always good to catch up with Langston. Really good guy and now a terrific broadcaster. All righty. What do we got going on? We at 5 o'clock. What, what time do you want to do Mark Kotze? Well, I told the fans 5 o'clock for Kotze. Oh, so you're saying we're going to go, go back to back to throw it out there? Throw it out there. Then we can do your pitch clock for the rest of the time. Okay. I've got numbers. Well, actually, yep, kind of. I've got <laughs> times. They're numbers. They're numbers, but it's times. When you start thinking about the entertainment business, competition, the other leagues, everybody's trying to get your dollars, the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, you name it. What is your game like compared to the other games? We will get into that. And a Minnesota pitcher out of nowhere who I guarantee, did you actually know him? Are you asking me or are you going to ask the fans? I'm asking you. Yes. You're lying. No, I know. I, I, you are lying. I've heard of Devin Smeltzer before. If I if I put up a picture of five guys, oh, I wouldn't be able to pick them up. But I knew who, I've heard the name before. No, no, that doesn't mean you you can hear any name. You don't know who he is. No, the only the only Twins reliever I know, if you show me a picture, is see. Randy. That's why you have to check guys like this because they're know it alls and they oh yeah I know you've never seen him pitch. You couldn't even pick him out of a lineup. I only know who he is because of MLB the Show, the video game. But I could tell you who Rob Randy Dobnak <laughs> is. <laughs> You guys are so predictable. It's okay every once in a while to say, I don't know. But I do know. Do you know? No, you don't. You I don't know, know who he is. You've heard the name because of a video game. Yeah, because That he's doesn't on there. mean you I've know him. I've seen him pitch on a video game. It's okay <laughs> to say no. I don't know. Just what? say it. It's cathartic. I don't know. Yeah, but, I, but, it, but, I, but I'd be lying then. Oh, there's plenty of times you don't know. And I fake it. I know. So just say. Just say it with me. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. But I knew who I knew who Devin Smeltzer is. Have you seen him pitch? On a video game, yes. Have you ever seen him pitch? In person, no. If he walked down my street and <laughs> no. he was walking a dog, would you know that's him? I think he's another San Jose. You do resume. not just admit, <laughs> I don't know. Just say it, it's okay. I don't know what he looks like. Okay. You don't know him. Well no, I don't know any I don't know most guys. You know it's okay. I know like one guy on a personal level, that's Lucervino. That's really about it. All righty, here is your skipper as he shows up every Friday right here on A's Cast Live, and then we rerun it the entire week on A's Cast. It's now time for the Mark Kotze Show, brought to you by Nest Bedding. Check out their locations in the Bay Area if you need a mattress or any of your bedding needs, or you go online to nestbedding.com. Use the coupon code Oakland to get 10% off your entire order. That's nestbedding.com. Love where you sleep. The same mattress Mark Kotze and Ricky Henderson sleep on. Mark, the day off yesterday had to be big for you and the troops. Yeah, it really was. Um, you know, it couldn't have come at a better time. Um, as I talked about, 
you know, when we uh, finished up Wednesday afternoon, um, 15 games, 13 days, two doubleheaders mixed in four days apart. Pretty uh, taxing, uh, grinding schedule, but we got through it. Um, you know, and yesterday being uh, being that it was uh, a good off day here in, in Orange County. Well, let, let me ask, from the standpoint of taxing, is it more, because you know, a lot of these guys, obviously professional athletes are in great shape. Is it more taxing physically or is it more taxing mentally? Yeah, I think they're probably go, they probably go hand in hand on the mental side. If, if you're not, you know, performing, if you're not having success, uh, it becomes, it probably outweighs the physical component. Um, but on the physical side, if you're an everyday guy or you're one of those bullpen guys down there and, and you've been used a lot down in the pin, uh, it's, it's physically challenging. You know, one of our younger players, um, Zach Jackson is, you know, a max effort guy and we've used him a lot through that stretch. And, uh, you know, you can see the recovery process is, um, it's, it's just a little bit more difficult, uh, especially at the, at the major league level, the minor leagues, you know, you get days off. I think every Monday is off in the minor leagues. You're not used uh, every day or every other day to that extent. And just the stress. You know, we talk about the stress that um, these guys endure um, trying to have success here for their first time. And um, so uh, I think they go hand in hand, really. Yeah, it's interesting how you mentioned recovery because, you know, as a professional athlete, a lot of times when you work out, you want to get bigger, stronger, faster. You want to maintain but when you're in a stretch like that i guess you really can't do that and it really is for these guys just recovery yeah it, it really is but you know our strength program our strength coach josh cuffy um steve candelaria th- those two guys really do a great job at managing the workload uh in the weight room they manage the work ro- workload for guys from a, a conditioning standpoint so they, you know with the advancement of all the data we can track you know, how, how far guys are running, how, how fast they've run, um, you know, over a series or, uh, and then really uh, balance how much they do in the weight room, how much extra conditioning they need. So, um, you know, it's been a good kind of process for me as a first year manager to understand, to dive into and really um, grasp that, uh, you know, certain guys do need time off uh, when they're taxed and, and when they've played six or seven straight days. The benefit of a day off is, is really um, exponentially, you know, goes a long way um, in, in the course of the season. Well, good news for you. The data is going to show that you're not going out to the mound a whole heck of a lot because your pitching has been uh, it's been really good. It's what you can hang your hat on. Just talk about the effort of your pitchers, Scott Emerson, and the effort that you've been getting day in and day out. Yeah, I know. Our starters have done a great job, um, you know, really providing innings and getting deep into ball games. You know, I haven't, I haven't completely looked at the numbers league-wide, um, but what I do know is that, that as you talk about, our pitching is, has been a, a real bright spot, and not just the starters, but the relievers as well. Uh, our bullpen's been able to stay together. And, and pitch well, um, give us an opportunity to win games, uh, whether we were, um, you know, holding a lead or holding a game um, when we're down and giving the offense a chance to, to get back into those games. Um, they've really been 
really been um, doing a great job. Well, you know, one of our favorites here on A's cast is Cole Irvin. He's a super guy, and he's going to be coming back for you. And I, I just think about, you know, you go into a series against the Angels, and you say Blackburn, Montas, Irvin. I take that. It's like, let's go. I mean, you got to feel confident when you go into a series like this, knowing that these are your lead horses. Yeah, no, it definitely, um, you know, aligns well for us coming here to Anaheim. It's, it, you know, these Angels have one of the better offenses in the league. And, um, you know, we saw them over a, a four-game series um, a week ago. And I think we're also going to see the same three uh, starting pitchers that they threw out at us. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy about where we're at uh, with, with our three starters and, and aligning them uh, to pitch against a good offense and give us a chance to win this weekend uh, against uh, one of the division leaders. I got to tell you, I like Zach Logue. I know, I know he's sent down, but I know he's going to be back and he's going to pitch a lot of games for you. He's got that hockey mentality. Uh, he doesn't care that he doesn't throw 98. He's, he's like a little tough guy out there on the mound. What do you think of this lefty, and what did you tell him on the way down? Well, I really like the lefty. Um, you know, Zach has done a great job with, with uh, you know, coming here um, and really feeling like he belongs and, and pitching, um, you know, along those lines. And so when we, when we did have the conversation with Zach prior to the game Wednesday, in, in talking to him, really, he was the sixth starter with Cole coming back. And, uh, you know, that being said, he, he's performed. Uh, it wasn't a performance issue, uh, more of a more of a we want you to go pitch, uh, continue to to get your starts on a regular basis. And, and, and you know, we'll expect you back here. Now, since that meeting on Wednesday, uh, we've had an unfortunate situation or injury uh, come about which we're still in the process of diagnosing with uh, Dalton Jeffries so Dalton will end up going on the IL and and Zach will end up um, coming back to fulfill Dalton's spot in the rotation so uh, I'm not sure what time this interview is going to run but uh, a little bit of a uh, little bit of news ahead of uh, Friday afternoon. Okay, so that 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 makes sense because we went to the break we knew he was going to get an MRI and we wish the best uh for Dalton Jeffries and Zach loads back. So like to see it. Cause uh, I think this guy, he he's shown something as we talk about a year of discovery, I'd like to see more of him. Let's talk about your closer, Danny Jimenez. I mean, quietly Mark, this guy's having an incredible year. Yeah. Danny's done an amazing job. You know, when we started this journey in the bullpen, we talked about getting out. Um, Lou Trevino was our closer uh, to start the season, the the one reliever down there that had done it at the major league level and and then had some success. So, um, you know, through the course of these 40 games, um, you know, we all know Lou had COVID, uh, hit him pretty good. Uh, the recovery since, um, you know, has been a process where we're trying to, um, you know, get Lou back uh, to, to where Lou was uh, in his, you know, original um or I should say start of the season. And Danny, Danny's picked up that role and Danny's done an amazing job. You know, we talk about, um, you know, leaning on some experience for Danny through AAA and closing games, but he's done it at the major league level. Uh, this season, he's had uh, a tremendous amount of success. He looks confident when he gets the ball and um, he also looks calm, which, uh, you know, you, you love to see that in a closer because, you know, it's not easy getting the last three outs of a ball game at the major league level. 
No, it's not. And everybody takes it for granted. They really have no idea. The finality of the game is definitely a big deal. Let's switch to your offense. I don't need to give you the numbers. You know the offense is struggling. I'm there early. I see all the hard work your guys are doing, extra BP before the game. Just what do you try and do to start scoring some more runs and generate offense? Yeah, well, I think our approach over the last – series against the twins got better i think our focus on you know offense playing together um we talk about just getting the next guy up to the plate Uh, i think we did that successfully for the first 10 games our offense um you know did everything correct and we somehow got away from that um over the next several weeks and i think we kind of turned it around this weekend or this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday series against the twins where guys were really being a little bit more selective. Um, they were taking their walks. Um, so we'd kind of look at this report, uh, hitters training report and um, look for signs that, you know, we're, we're able to be focusing on um, to get these guys confident, to get them to understand that, you know, the game has somewhat changed. Uh, there's a lot of talk about the ball and, and the offense numbers being down league wide. Uh, and you see, you know, a, a change in, in maybe style to a certain extent where, you know, these guys have to string some hits together, mix in a walk, um, play offense. And we talked about the fundamentals, you know, we're utilizing a little bit more of the bunt and, and trying to, you know, not necessarily play for the big inning because, uh, those innings are tough to, to come by right now with the long ball and, and hitting home runs. You know, there's, uh, there's definitely a noticeable change in in that number league wide, and uh, you know our focus offensively is is to uh, to basically get on base, get your teammate up, and continue an inning right now. I dig it. It's kind of more old school baseball that we grew up with. Yeah, the numbers show the ball is not flying out of the ballpark. I don't know humidors, balls different. I don't know. It's just but but you got to do what you got to do. And obviously everything in our sport is about confidence. How important is it just to keep instilling confidence into your guys? Like, Hey, I know it's going bad, but you can make it happen. You can do it at the plate. Cause we all know you got to have the belief. Yeah, no question. Um, you know, these guys are, they've been fighting all year. I don't question their, their work ethic. I don't question their energy. Um, you know, and then, as you talk about the lack of success, um, you know, can, can be problematic with their mindset. So we continue to talk to them and try to encourage them to, to stay with the process, uh, to believe in the process and, and things will turn. Um, you know, we're 40 games in at this point. Uh, we still have a long season to go. Um, there are guys in this lineup that, that have had history enough at this level um, that when numbers are numbers, they, they generally – uh, average themselves out over the course of 162 games. Uh, on the flip side, we've got some younger guys that are that are grinding, that that are putting a lot of uh, undue, you know, expectation or pressure on themselves to to have immediate impact, have immediate success. So we continue to talk about the mindset with those guys, um, and not only that, not only the younger players, but some of the players on this roster that haven't had the chance to to play every day or get that opportunity to, you know. Um, maybe seize or earn an opportunity uh, in front of them to, to get every day at bats. So, uh, you know, we continue as a staff to coach, 
and to come every day, bring positive energy with the expectations to go out and win baseball games. Let's end on this. You know, we're 40 games in, you kind of start to look at the ball club. You start to look at things. How about for yourself as a new manager, now that you've done this for 40 games, just, you know, is there something with you that you've learned about yourself at the start of the season as a new manager? (laughs) Well, you know, I think overall it's, it's just the continuing growth for me, uh, the, the open mind, um, that, that we can, we're able to do some different things. We're, we're going to try some things that are, um, you know, new and, and, and see, you know, how these results impact, um, whether it's decision-making, whether it's progress. Um, so for me, I think, you know, overall I'm getting more comfortable, uh, on a daily basis, uh, you know, as, as the manager, um, I think that my you know, communication uh, continues to increase on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, overall, um, you know, I'm, I'm having fun. I'm excited about our future, uh, excited about, you know, being able to um, surround myself with great people, smart people. And, uh, and you know, at the end of the day, uh, when we get done, with our with our whole season, I'll, I'll think back and learn and grow from, you know, uh, where we where we were and where we're going to end up. Great stuff. Three games in Anaheim, then three in Seattle, and we'll talk to you next week back home when you're taking on the Texas Rangers. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate you, buddy. Mark Kotze, the skipper of your Oakland Athletic. We're going to small ball, baby. Small ball. I love it. Do anything you can to score. By the way, do you know what today? Does anybody know what today is? Does anybody? Do you? It's May twentieth, Friday, May twentieth. Really? The A's forty-first game. You don't know what today is? I don't know. How do you not know? I. You literally told me to tell you I don't know. So I'm telling you I don't know. What? Do you? I, I, not faking I, it. I. I don't know. I want to ask you a question. Since I did, I've done my research on this whole debacle. What kind of pitcher is Devin Smeltzer? Reliever. He's only appeared in twenty major league games. What kind of pitcher? I, I don't know. Do you either pitch with one arm or the other? Which one? He's a righty. All right. Wow. This is your captain speaking. I just want to let everybody know that uh, we'll be landing in 15 minutes and somebody has just been exposed. Uh, he's a left-handed pitcher, Mr. I-know-who-everybody-is. I told you I saw him in a video game. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> he doesn't even know if he's a righty or a lefty. <laughs> I just know he does like That the- is the best. No, you you don't know. It's it's, it's Polly Wind Day. Oh. Hey, he's been pitching well. It's Paulie Winday. That is the new nickname for Paul Blackburn. Let's give you some numbers on on Paulie Winday. Do you have any on the uh, playbook? Uh, just the ones that I looked up that you end up having anyway on, like his curveball and all that stuff. Um, yes, let me see. What do I have? Paulie Winday, right now. So, which camera should I look into to explain this? All right? I'm going to do it in this one. A curveball goes like this. A slider goes like this. 
So what a hitter sees, it changes. The slider comes in like a fastball and then darts away to where the curveball comes up and then down. And that's what really changes the eye level for a hitter, right? It's what Chris Bassett incorporated into his game. Now, I know for me, I usually had one or the other, never had both. And I know there's a lot of guys like that. You kind of go through, it's kind of like a, uh, it's kind of like your golf game, right? Like, I'm able, I, I really got, I, I really got it going left to right. And then all of a sudden things, eh, now you start hitting, you start hitting draws, right? You know, whatever you got on that day in the range is what you take out. And a lot of pitchers, you don't have your curveball and your slider, right? The grips are different. Everything's off your fastball, but a curveball is going to be this. A slider is going to be this. Some days you got the slider. Some days you got the curveball. If you have both, great. But when you got both, boy, it's a weapon. And right now, Paul Blackburn, opponents are hitting two for 31 off both of his breaking balls. That's .065 batting average. That's incredible. And he's and he's throwing breaking balls 21.8% versus last year 12.2. So his breaking ball usage way up. Thing that I love the most um 1.2 walks per 9. That's impressive. It means he's not walking anybody. He also doesn't give up a lot of hard contact. His his exit velo is is 90 and below on every pitch except for his forcing fastball which is around 95. Everything else 90 and below. So it's his cutter, his changeup, his curve, his slider, all uh, all ninety or less, which is great. One for one for nine hitters are versus slider, four strikeouts. One for twenty two versus curveball, nine strikeouts. As you mentioned, point six five. He gives a, he has a fifty fifty one percent ground ball rate. That's really good. Well, it, it it's saying that you don't have to throw a hundred to win, and if you throw strikes with all of your pitches. I mean, if you th- you start a hitter out with a curveball for a strike and now you're up 0-1, your percentage of getting that guy out has just so increased. It's unbelievable. And then now when you want to strike him out and you throw the really hard breaker, that one that's breaking down almost into the dirt, it's now a strikeout pitch because he's seen the curveball for a strike. Now you drop the hammer on him and he swings right over the top of it. See you later. So the fact that he's got control with his breaking balls and he throws strikes with his fastball and when you have multiple breaking balls or for your guy that's got a split or a changeup, you make that 91-mile-an-hour fastball now looks 94-95. And I know that's it's kind of like, what? what, what is it? Well, how does 91 look 94-95? It's just the fact that in a hitter's mind, even though a hitter always wants to tell himself, Look fastball, look fastball. It's all about the fastball. His subconscious, you know, it's like the the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. The angel's telling you, fastball, always look fastball. But the devil, your subconscious is going, watch out for the hammer. Watch out for the watch out for that slider. Watch out for that split. Like I've heard Jim Tomei said, no matter what. I always was hunting fastball. I'm looking fastball. There's no way the human brain looks that way. He can say that now, but there's a reason why he struck out a ton. 
yeah, he was looking fastball all the time, but there's no way in your subconscious you're not thinking, I know he's got that split. I know he's got – there's no way. You're trying to tell me if you're going to face Trevor Hoffman that you were thinking fastball the whole time. No, you're, you're worried about his, his changeup. You're going to tell me when you're facing Mariano Rivera, well, you're like, ever worried about a fastball. I thought he only threw a cutter. That's what I'm saying. Why would you be sitting there going, I'm I'm waiting for the fastball when you know you're going to get a cutter every single pitch, which is essentially – well, a cutter is a fastball technically just with a little bit of movement, just a change in grip, but you're throwing a fastball. Paulie Winday does throw throw a cutter, but hitters are hitting 444 against it this year. I I bet it hasn't been thrown a lot. He has thrown his – he's thrown it 82 times. The most – what pitch has he thrown the most? He has a six-pitch arsenal, by the way. He added the slider, but he didn't use the slider last year. Added the back for this year. Uh, what has he thrown the most? Yeah. I would say fastball, but since you're asking me that question, I'm going to say slider or cutter. Sinker. Well, see, that's it's bogus. Sinking, it's yeah. a fastball. Yeah. It's a two-seamer just yeah. sink. So yeah. it's a fastball. Yeah, his four-seam fastball, he's only thrown 49 times. Uh, his changeup, 90 Curveball, 85. Cutter, 82. He's only thrown a slider 30 times. Well, they're not hitting it. That's why they only have one hit, and he struck out four batters and nine at-bats. Yeah. Two two for 32, so keep doing what you're doing. But in the end, you work fast, throw strikes, you get ahead of hitters, you'll be successful. That's why he's fourth in the American League uh, in ERA uh, with pitchers who have gone 30 innings. Now, in the grand scheme of it all, he doesn't qualify because it is of the innings pitch. He's only 37 and two-thirds, where most guys are around 39 and 40. So after today, if he keeps it up, he'll be in the top – he'll probably be in the top five in the ERA if he doesn't give up any runs, theoretically. Um, you know, you got Nasty Nestor, Verlander. And Zach Gallon is your leader at 1.14. And Are you calling him Nestor Nasty Nasty or Nestor. Nasty Nestor? Nasty Nestor. I, I, I like that. The poster is going to say Nasty Nestor. There's one other pitcher I'm forgetting in the American League that has a lower ERA. Did you have a poster on your wall as a kid? Uh, I have, yes. I can't remember what they were. I had Penguins posters, I think. M- Mario or Mario Lemieux? Mario Lemieux. You didn't say Mario? No. You're not from Canada? I had a Yamir Yager, Darius Kasparitis. Uh, Verlander, a 1.38. So it goes Gallon at 1.14, Nasty Nestor at 1.35, and Verlander at 1.38 are your top three. So he's up there with these guys. I'm trying to think of who the other American League guy is that I'm forgetting. There's one other guy ahead of uh, Paulie Blackburn. Uh, Hurry, we're running out of time, man. Um, where Where is it? I'll find it. There's one. It, he's the fourth in the Ameri- uh, Alec. No, it's a, no, it's not Alec Manoa. Um, no, he would be. He would be. That's that can't be right. Uh, I'll find it. But coming into today, he was fourth. Well, Manoa's higher than he is. Yeah, but coming into today, it says he was. He would be fourth. Yeah, he'd actually be technically be third. Yes, if he went thirty innings. There, every guy qualified thirty innings or more. Yeah, because you got what Pablo Lopez is up there. Yeah, he. I think he he had the Kopech lowest. Kopech is up there. Co- that's it. Kopech's the guy that that had the lower ERA, I think, than him, and in thirty innings. This is going to qualify it by uh, forty or more. Because yeah, the thing for, that I have is by starts. Oh yeah, because um, uh, Paulie Winday has seven starts. Today will be number eight. My run. What time do I got to be done? Uh, pregame's at f- total access is at five thirty-eight. So you got ten minutes. All right, quickly. 
Baseball games in the minor leagues right now are averaging 235 because the pitch clock, because this moron with the Twins. I guess Twins minor leaguers, I guess, don't like it. Destroying the game, he said. Uh, the average game right now in baseball is 305, three hours and five minutes. Ten years ago, it was two hours and 56 minutes. But problem is, three hours and five minutes, there's 162 games. So the average NBA and the average NHL game there's varying reports, so we're just going to say this. Between 2 hours and 15 and 2 hours and 30 minutes for the average NBA and NHL game. I agree with that, yes. And they play 82 games. Yes. NFL now plays 17. The average NFL game is about 3 hours. Correct. You're higher than them at 3.05 and play 162. That's problem. That's a major Major problem. And talking about it where the game the other day between the Mets and the Cardinals was three, a nine-inning game was three hours and 40 minutes. There's 162 Mets games, and you're playing game a game that's three hours and 40 minutes compared to a lot of these NBA games are 215, 220, I mean, a Warrior game, think about it, 7.45 tip, because that's where their tips are. It yeah. says 7.30 on the ticket, but six, it's like six, 7.45. Game two tonight at 6. And you're going to be done by 10-something, early yeah. 10.05. Yeah. 10. I mean, it's like, man, speed it up. And, by the way, in this article that's ripping the uh, Twins. The Twins ripping the pitch clock. Well, they kind of get the, these these players kind of. Oh, I'm supposed to subscribe now. I'm not going to subscribe to the Star Trek. The old their own manager Rock, Rocco Bodelli goes. I, I disagree. We need to speed these things up. Yeah, uh, that's that's tell you everything you need to know. We want to thank Mark Langston. We want to thank Bip Roberts and the skipper of your Oakland Athletics, Mark Kotze, for stopping by today. A's Cast Live. What are we playing next? Uh, we only have a few minutes, so I'm going to run some commercial spots, and we'll get you ready for Ace Total Access with you. Me? I'm doing it? Yeah. I'm back on in less than 10 minutes? Uh, seven minutes to be exact. What do we have on Monday? Uh, working on that, but we will have Buster Olney next week on Tuesday. Ooh, Buster, that's a big get for you. Yeah, hoping. Well, I'm hoping for Dan O'Dowd, too. They're checking his availability. Oh, my man. I Just because you asked Dan. for it. I love me some Dan O'Dowd. Is it going to be weird when I tell him that? I t- kind of told uh, him that we, in San Diego. Uh, well, we tell him that everything every time we have him on. He goes, I love listening to you guys. Uh, Dan, we'll be in He does. Time. He's a fan of this show. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. And by the way, we can now officially announce it, right? Uh, sh- sure, but we're running out of time. We will get more into it next week. When we get back home, we can finally do our show like this. You can watch it on YouTube and on Twitter. Live from the field. You'll be able to hear it and see it from the field. It's official. I've been I've been told baby steps. The baby steps are happening, my friend. And my kids were once babies. You know what happens with baby steps? They grow up. They grow up. And that's what we're doing here with A's Cast Live. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll see everybody Monday. 4 o'clock Monday? Yes, 4 o'clock. Everybody, Monday at 4 o'clock. Have a great weekend. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. 
Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.